there is no secret formula for scaling customer support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new HubSpot Service Hub, bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with AI-powered help desk, all so you can keep customers happy. Secrets out. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain. I'm your co-host, Kit Bodner, here as always with my friend and co-host, Kieran Flanagan. And do we have a great show for you. We are talking about today why marketing is much more and much bigger than you think it is. And Kieran, we both were inspired by a really interesting interview with somebody we've known and consumed for a long time, Seth Godin. But Seth Godin sat down with Rich Roll for the Rich Roll podcast. And I don't know about you, that's the best content that I have consumed so far in 2023. I thought that interview, I thought the way that Seth articulated the answers, the way Rich built on Seth's answers was really, really awesome. What did you think of that interview? And then we'll get into the the show today. Yeah, I thought it was an incredible interview. The only one that I expect to be as good as he's also interviewed Rick Rubin. I just bought his book. Me too. I'm reading it this weekend. Yeah, I'm excited to go through that. I, I thought it was a really great interview. I think the thing that we took from it is, wow, like the reason we use the term marketing-minded people is because we aren't just speaking to marketers. We are speaking to people who understand that marketing is much more than you know the nuts and bolts of what you hear on most shows. And I think Seth gives some really great examples of what we mean by that in that episode. And that's, I think, what we can get into and dive deep into on this episode. Yeah, we think anybody who watches the show is a marketing-minded person. And I think most people out in the world actually are and should be marketing-minded people. And I want to talk about one interesting thought starter that came from that discussion that Seth and Rich had was, Seth had a line that people don't want the most authentic you, they want the best version of you. And I thought that was really interesting because in the 2010s and the teens, whatever we're calling that decade, like the era of like Facebook and social media, it was all about, oh, let's be authentic. Let's be authentic brands, transparent brands, all of these things. I think that era is completely behind us now. I think we have an abundance of authenticity, right? Like everybody's posting all over the internet and whether it's authentic or not, it feels authentic and there's like an abundance of authenticity. And I think if you're a marketing-minded person today, if you're building a company, building a brand, you have to know people want to see the best version of you. You want to give people the packaging, right? You want to give people the kind of movie version of things a little bit. You want to kind of splice it up a little bit. So I thought I thought that was a great line from that show. The yeah. other thing that you and I talked about was the fact that he talked about marketing from the viewpoint of not just how you can build brands, but how you can change minds. Change minds, change the world. Yeah, and that's the part that resonated with me, which is like his latest book is about climate change. And he talked about the fact that part of the problem with climate change is not so much that people don't care about the problem, it's that they have not been told the right story around that problem. And that for the most part, when people want to talk about climate change, someone tells them, hey, it's a complicated subject. And you immediately tell someone it's complicated, then their eyes glaze over, that there's a lot of smart people who know things about climate change. And so you are afraid to talk about that thing. And so you feel stupid. And if you feel stupid and you can't talk about something, then you can't actually make that thing better. And it's a really good example of whether you're building a brand or whether you are telling the story about your product, service, your thing you're doing as a creator, the thing you're doing as an artist, the thing you're doing as a local retailer, the thing you're doing as an author, 
the story matters so much. And all of that, you know, ties back to your abilities as a marketer to tell something that is simple, uncomplicated, is welcoming, like, you know, makes you feel like I can be part of this. It's not going to exclude me if it's for you. And I think those things really struck me in terms of the reason we say marketed minded people, because we didn't want to talk to just like marketeers. We wanted to talk to people who were trying to tell stories and change industries or make impact in whatever the thing they're trying to do. That's what I really enjoyed about the interview. You just hit that spot on, right? Because you and I fundamentally believe marketing can change the world. We are pragmatic people. If we didn't think marketing was valuable, we would do something different. Right. Right. And so once you have that kind of core belief, then you say, oh, everybody should be a marketing-minded person because even just a partial understanding of marketing can change the world, change the cause and the way that you're trying to put the dent in the universe, right? And I think that is what's really important. I think that's what Seth did a very good job like articulating. And part of building on this is like, why marketing is much bigger than you think. I think most people think of marketing as like, oh, I run some Facebook ads. I design a pretty website. I do some iterations of my conversion rate. I send some emails. Exactly. That's not marketing. That's part of marketing. But that's not marketing. You had an awesome two by two that I think really shows the breadth of marketing. But I don't know if it's two by two. I think we should talk about this. You know, I was trying to distill marketing down into a couple of key points because everything is better if you can put it into two or three points. Yeah. (laughs) It's easier to understand. I think it's a Venn diagram now that you're thinking about it. Let's go through it. Yeah, I think it's a Venn diagram. This is actually better Venn diagram. And so we're talking a lot about storytelling, but like I think there's a really important part in terms of marketing that marketing has evolved to over the last number of years. And it's really the reason I'm in marketing, right? I did not get into marketing through the lens of an incredible storytelling. Some people did get into marketing that way. I really got into it through the fact that marketing became much more engineering and data and about iteration and about being able to like build go-to-markets. And so there's like these kind of two parts of marketing, which is part of it is storytelling, like the story, the brand, the product positioning. Part of it is the iteration and analysis. And I was thinking about two by two. I was thinking like, oh, like there's storytelling, there's iteration and data, but actually for any great marketers, like I strive to be great at both of those things, right? I strive to be a great storyteller. I strive to be great at the data and iteration. So it's more like a Venn diagram. And the third one is leadership, right? And everyone needs to be a great leader. Seth had a really great line. Actually, he talked about education and the fact in schools, all they should teach youngsters is how to be a leader. And a leader is not a manager. And people really should understand that you do not have to be a a manager of people to be a great leader and that they should teach them to solve interests and problems. But that's really the Venn diagram. And so we're talking a lot about the storytelling. But I really think the thing that has excited me as marketing is also very like engineering and data Mm -hmm. and iterative and go to markets. And I think if you can live in the middle of those things, you're going to be a much more successful marketing minded person. Yeah. So if if you're thinking about this, you're thinking about the Venn diagram of kind of analytical iteration to messaging and storytelling as the next circle. And the third circle is leadership. I care when I say leadership, I don't just mean the people who are doing the work with you. I mean, you're leading your customers, you're leading the movement, you are leading the change you want to have happen in the world. The intersection of those three things is really marketing. And most people think of one of those circles as marketing instead of the intersection of the three of them. Like if you want to do a really strict definition, to me, marketing is the intersection of the three of those things. And, you know, Seth in the pod talked a little bit about marketing isn't putting up a billboard for product nobody cares about and just pushing it down, pushing it down people's throat until they buy enough of it. And he's right. But there is some parts of that that are marketing, I think. 
But you can't do the analytics, you can't do the billboards, you can't do everything else without the storytelling, without the leadership and point of view that you want to have in the moment. Yeah. Hopefully Seth will come on and we can debate some of this. Yeah, we're, we're trying to get Seth on. Something he said I somewhat disagreed with or I would like to debate with him on. Yeah. It was the part that you talked about, which is marketing used to be advertising. It used to be trying to do these things and then it became much more about creating value. We talk a lot about this. Yeah. I think the shift in marketing, HubSpot was part of this, is the exchange of value changed, right? The exchange of value used to be salesperson rings you up, take demo, and the value you get is when you decide to buy the product. Hopefully it's a valuable product. If it's not, then you made a bad decision. But then the value exchange got moved up a lot in terms of like HubSpot would give you a ton of value, whether through the free content courses or other brands as well. And you get immediate value before you ever use a product. And that's why I think product-led growth is going to be the most meaningful go-to-market for B2Bs in the future. Here's PLG plug. Nice work. PLG, PLG. <laughs> but one of the things he said was, you know, in the in the olden days, the company would do the thing that you said, which is like the advertising, the billboard, the jingle. And he says, then you fast forward to Google. Do you think Google ever had a jingle? No, it didn't, right? Because it's this new breed of companies. Google didn't do marketing. Google no. actually just had a far superior product, right? They had a differentiated product. They sold search in a different way through the PageLink algorithm where they passed authority through links. And so they were differentiated and they grew through that kind of having differentiated products. So I would argue they didn't even really do storytelling. They just released the product and the product was much better than anything else in the market. You could argue it was differentiated from anything else in the market by the way they surface results. And so there is like some companies that grow through the category they created. Yes. And they don't actually need a lot of marketing help until they get to a lot later stage. I actually completely agree with you. And I think I would love for you and Seth to debate that. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because... I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. The next thing I wanted to talk about with you, Karen, is we talked about that Venn diagram. And to kind of bring it back up again for people, you've got leadership in one circle. The next circle is kind of analytic iteration and data. And then the third one is storytelling and messaging and the, the intersection of those things. What I think makes a great marketing-minded person and makes a great brand is when you understand that the things in that intersection, Kieran, are often small things. They're not often big things, right? And what I mean by that is like brands that pay attention and companies that pay attention to like every little detail. And I'm wearing a jacket for our YouTubers from an awesome NFT that I support, Doodles. And I, I bought some merch, which is this jacket. And... I love merch. Merch matters. If you're trying to build a great brand, have great merch. Have great merch. And then it's like all the levels of details, right? Like these kind of varsity style jackets are super in right now. They're like all the rage. 
with the cool kids. I'm not a cool kid. But I love that they were like, oh, I'm not just going to make a t-shirt. I'm going to make this high value, high expense piece of merch because that is what our brand is about. Like we're on the pulse of things. We do things different. We are cool. All of those things. And I think that to me is a really sick example of the intersection of those three things. It's like, oh, maybe if I was just an analytical person, I probably would make no merch. (laughs) And if I was a storyteller, I would make... A t-shirt. I would make merch, but it would be like, it would be a t-shirt with like a quote on it, right? And if I was trying to lead a movement, I would probably do some wacky merch or like an art print or something. But when you put the three of them together and you use those skills together, you come up with something that is on trend, relevant, super cool. And I think when we talk about being marketing-minded... It's really the power of the intersection of those three skills, right? Part of that is, what is marketing's role in crafting this story? Yeah, we haven't talked enough about story yet. We should talk a little bit more about story. There has to be some semblance of a vision from the founder. Think if you join a company and there's no real vision from the founder. You should leave. Well, you're going to have a hard time. You should leave. Story as an afterthought is really hard to craft. You are being really nice. Why are you being so nice? Well... I don't know if you should leave. No. Like, let me give you an example of where you wouldn't leave. Mm -hmm. You join company, product is differentiated and has gone insanely viral. Mm -hmm. And there's no real anything around it other than this thing is just like a hit. This is a smash hit. Like people love this product. And I can give you some examples. Then I think you're like, well, you know, I have a pretty great foundation to create a story on. And the story is like an accelerant, not a requirement. But there still had to be some initial vision to make that hit. Let me give you an example. Like one of our favorite tools, Loom. I bet you Loom didn't sit down and think, you know, there's this overarching vision around the product. They actually pivoted a bunch of times, built a product that was really easy to create video from. So I'm going to push back a little. Shahid is the founder of Loom is a Teal Fellow. And like every Teal Fellows basically crushed it, first of all. Yeah. And second of all, like, I think he did have a vision around collaboration. I don't think he knew how that he was going to try to help people collaborate, but he knew he wanted to do something in collaboration, which is maybe not a complete vision, but it's like at least the roots of it. Yeah. Let's define what we mean by vision, I guess. Oh, yeah. It's a better thing to do. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying like Loom just randomly put out a product and didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. I'm saying that they were like a product-centric company and built something that was very differentiated in the market. Nothing really existed like that. And solved a real pain point. I agree with that. I guess they had a vision for the type of problem they were solved and why they were differentiated, but they didn't have like a clear, well-defined category and a story around, you know, a crafted story around that thing. To be fair to you, I think I was being too light on vision. You know, I think what vision really is an articulation of multiple acts of progress you're going to make to help a customer, right? Like if you take the HubSpot example, Brian and Dermesh started with like, oh, we're going to help small businesses sell online, right? right? Like that was act one. Then act two was, oh, actually, there's this thing called inbound marketing. Inbound marketing is completely changed. We're going to help people adopt inbound marketing. And then they knew that they were eventually going to get to CRM. And like you get that vision had a lot of layers to it. It's hard to have like a vision that's just like, hey, we're going to do this first thing. And I think that's what you're arguing about. Yeah, no, I actually think I'm wrong. The way you described that, I I suspect Loom had a very similar way of building upon that vision. They went from like, hey, this is much better. I I know that because we were early users, like this is a much better way to communicate than spending all of this time on email. And then they build up to like, this is a much better way for your entire team to communicate and add more context. Like one of the things about that is like it adds more personality and context gets lost in email and Slack. And so I actually think I was wrong. I was thinking about vision from like a crafted, 
story. Like the vision I was actually thinking about was the age old, like a way you position a product, which is like the change in the world, why this is the thing yeah. that matters. You were thinking and about positioning. I was thinking about positioning. Let's break this down for everybody. The reason I said leave if there's not a vision is I think to be a successful company today, you have to have a real point of view yeah. for anybody, any market, anything yeah. you're in, right? But point of view around a, a real problem you're solving. Yeah. And how it really truly helps the people you're trying to help and serve, right? right? And once you get past that, if you don't have that, you should leave. Once you have that, then the marketers and the marketer minding people of there have to go and change and do the next step of the work, which is great. How do we position this vision? And positioning normally relates to your category. Right. Are you playing in an existing category of known things or are you creating a new category? We talked all about creating our new category with Christopher Lockheed. Go back on YouTube right now and check that. It was a really, really good conversation. But you have to make that decision, right? Right. And then once you have figured out your category and how you were going to differentiate in that category, which is basically the combination of those things as your positioning, then you can do the third thing, which is messaging. How do I then take that position and talk about it on my website, my email, my content in a way that's going to resonate with my target audience. So those are the three steps, vision, positioning, messaging. There's a person who listens to this podcast who does really great graphics. They did one for something I said in the show where I went, Yahoo search directory, Google search engine, chat GPT search assistant. So if yeah. you're listening to this, you could really do a really great graphic for what Kip just said. So like, I really like that that structure, which is it starts with a clear vision, mm -hmm. which is a clear point of view in the problem you're solving and why you're solving that in a differentiated, better way. And then it gets into positioning. And positioning is, are we in an existing category or are we in a new category? Yeah. And then you decide on those things and then you go into messaging and then everything just becomes about how, how you tell that message, whether you're in the existing category or whether you're in the, the new category. And actually what I was talking about was the fact that you can have a hit before you actually really need to think deeply about the position in part. Yeah, that, that is exactly what you're talking about. That's totally right. right. I'd actually make an argument to kind of close this point out. It's like the vision step, that is largely the founders or the CEO of the company. Yes. That's their job. Yes. The positioning step is the CEO of the company, head of product, head of marketing. You have kind of a small working group to figure out how you're positioned. The messaging step marketing. is marketing. Right. Like if you think about who owns those three steps, like who's in charge of making them happen, that's how that flows. Marketing needs to understand and be aware and involved of all three, but marketing really starts in a positioning and then completely owns and has to deliver on the messaging side of things. And the messaging is really split between like higher level version of that, the brand own, and then the like functional version of that, the product marketing own, where they kind of yeah. get split into two. Like, I have a hot take here for you, for everybody listening who's like a big marketing nerd. I think all positioning, both product and brand positioning should live in brand. I was about to get into this conversation. Yes, go, Most companies, go. and let's be honest, like including at HubSpot, but most B2B companies have those teams separated. What do you think about that? I think that there's a lot of very important functions of product marketing in terms of messaging, like we just talked about, in terms of customer case studies, customer proof, customer references, a lot of things that product marketing can and should do. I think those are very different skills yes, than I agree. positioning and high, high level messaging. And I think people with brand expertise understand how to do positioning and high level messaging better than anybody else. Mm. And one of the things out there, kind of like a cheat sheet for everybody out there, whether you're by yourself, you've got a group of people the thing that Kieran and I, I think we've always done that's always worked 
is we have focused on like, what is the core skill that matters? And that thing needs to be owned by the person or team that has that skill. Right. Doesn't matter what you call it. Doesn't matter what you name it. It's like, what is the skill you need to have happen in the world? And does the team actually have that skill? Who owns the strap line on the homepage? I think that's a good like breaking point between those two teams. Well, I think the strap line on the homepage is messaging as an output of your positioning. I think largely product marketing probably owns the strap line of your homepage. Right. But it's probably a derivative of your core of brand. brand and, and high level yeah. product positioning. Yeah. Product marketing are taking the positioning and messaging from brand and communicating it in language that will resonate with the customer. Not that brand don't do that, but that's that example you're given. We talk about what it is to be marketing minded. Those three circles, those three skills of analytical messaging, storytelling, and leadership are really what we're talking about. I highly recommend going out and checking out the Seth Godin ritual conversation. I found it really, really helpful, really good. I've read all of Seth's books, but you know, he's been at our event inbound at HubSpot multiple times, but I found that particular one to be exceptionally good and his responses to be exceptionally good. Kieran, before we close out, you got anything else you want to share on the show today? No, just that I'm excited. You and I uh, have bought the same book. Yeah, we're we're going to deep dive into the Ruben Creative Way book. I've heard nothing but incredible things. Everyone's probably seen the clip. He's over-publicized everywhere. Did you see the clip on YouTube where someone asked him, like, what makes you such an incredible music producer? And he basically says, I don't know, like, I have zero talent. Uh, All I have is my taste. I just thought that was... So good. Unbelievable. So we're going to read that. If you want to read along with us guys and gals out there, please join us. We might do a show on that or maybe we'll do like a mailbag or something if there's lots of questions on it. But that's on the reading list. I'm reading that this weekend. I am psyched. Kieran, as always, my friend, it has been awesome. This is a really good debate and discussion. I'm sorry. I think I yelled at you a little bit. I apologize, but we got got fired up today. You know, I'm coming back with some yelling at some point. (laughs) Don't worry about that. But until next time, everyone, this has been Marketing Against the Grain. We'll see you real soon.